0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: The Shift Daily Podcast has Jesse Lipscomb, actor and activist here for you to enjoy his conversation, helps us understand how our family history is so important to us and how it relates to Black History Month. Also, I spent a little time teasing Ryan for getting gifts late to his significant other. What's more important, delivering a gift on time or having a really good gift that comes late by accident? shift heads way in on that topic also are you okay with playing dress up as a police officer or with pigs with joysticks we also argue about 5,000 year old beer and new beer on the shift daily podcast if you missed it earlier in the program we were talking about understanding perspective when it comes to race our that conversation was about Aunt Jemima that some of us may not understand it, but it may matter to other people. And, you know, it is Black History Month in February, and one of the things that I, you know, committed to back in June when there was all kinds of conversation going on around um, around race was to make sure that these kinds of things were just part of our normal dialogue. I wanted to reach out to somebody who was new to me, make a new friend, and I wanted to have a conversation about just what it is, because I don't know, I don't know. I really don't. I don't think many of us do understand what this whole conversation is about. My buddy Brian said, well, why don't you talk to somebody of profile? So I went looking and I found Jesse, who's a friend of a friend. And um, Dr. Jody Carrington's psychologist, they did some work with their Get Lit event a couple of weeks ago. And I was like, Jesse's the guy. Let's connect with Jesse. He's a Canadian actor. He's won all kinds of awards. Um, you can see his films, It's Not My Fault and I Don't Care Anyway. Um Tiny Plastic Man is another a comedy sketch show he's been a part of. It's very funny. The hashtag Make It Awkward campaign is another thing he's worked on, too. And I wanted to welcome him to the show. Jesse, thanks for spending some time with me. I really do appreciate it.
2: Dean, uh, thanks for having me. I love having some solid conversations that dig deep, you know? Yeah.
1: So, yeah. Well, that's my, that's my jam. That's what I like. So, um, you know, it is Black History Month, and it's funny for me because in Black Hi- Black History Month and my learning around it this year, because I committed myself to just learning a little bit more about this, because I wanted to celebrate the good stuff mm-hmm. and uh, take a really hard look at the, the hard stuff. And so I more than once have called it Black Lives Matter Month. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say a bit of a dance, not the same, kind of the same dancing together, but we can't lose the fact that they are each individual, uh, conversations that need to be honored and respected. So I just wanted to invite you on and, and ask you that question, man. Um, you know, what, why does it matter?
2: It's, this is probably going to be an awkward start to a conversation, but I'll tell you, you know, majority, majority of my work is often teaching and showing and, and, uh, living by example, but in this scenario, I, I think I'm sitting with a white male right now. I'd like to ask you that question before I answer yeah. Why do you think in the research you've done, like you said, why do you think Black History Month matters?
1: I think that that's great. I love that. For me, Black History Month matters because um, I think we need to celebrate all of the people. And I mean, we, we, we live life with everybody around us. And when I was raised in school, I didn't learn this stuff. Now I had friends who who were black and Indian and, you know, Asian and all of these different pieces, but I didn't spend a lot of time asking about their culture and their life until I turned into an adult. And it was certainly never taught to me. So when I look at this hole in my life and I see things from, uh, the black lives matter conversation, I realize there's just an awful lot. I haven't been around. And then we come to black history month and I'm like, well, there's all kinds of music and people and actors that I love what they do every day. Um, I look at these people as just people, but there's just more to be found here. So to me, Black History Month is what cool things can you find about your life and how uh people have affected your life.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's I, what and, I would answer. Yeah, and I and I like that answer. There's a lot of pieces in there I'd love to even unpack. One of the things is like, you know, while you're in school, they didn't teach you a lot about it. And it's, that's, that's the fact, right? And even your indigenous friends your Asian friends, very modicum of what you're being taught about had anything to do with that. And one of the reasons it's so important is so you basically got to grow up seeing things, uh, that represented your culture, people who looked like you read about heroes, read about atrocities, but a a full pretty good gamut of white people, uh, from different countries everywhere. Um, so this idea of representation a is missed so often in schools, and it's not just for uh, black boys and girls. It's for everyone because you're missed. It's it's black history, and this is an interesting thing. Like black history is actually just history, right? Like it's history that affects you and affects me. Absolutely. You know? Yeah. Right. Albert like black Alberta history. Like, yeah, that's a cool about...
1: story in itself.
2: Yeah, absolutely. We talk about like Amber Valley and John Ware and how people don't know who they are, but like literally created things that are all Alberta, all country, all cowboy, irrigation, bighorn, you know, uh, steel, steers, all of this stuff. So Black History Month really is taking a spotlight, a narrow spotlight off of what it's traditionally been and just widening that aperture so you can actually see the rest of the history, which tells more of a story, the whole story. Uh, Celebrating this too is so important. I can't even stress how important representation is. When you can see it, when you see it, then you can dream about these things. And if you never see yourself reflected in anything, any stories, uh, any books, any of the the teachings on television and things are getting better, but Black History Month is one of those like reminders. Um, And a lot of the places I have spoke at lately, uh, you know, they're asking, I know it's Black History Month, but let's, how do we do this throughout the year? How how do we continue this thing going, not just in Black History Month? This is a long winded answer, but this is what happens. One of the things I said to them, I said, you know, one thing you don't have to worry about is making sure that white history is taught, that white music is shown, because no matter what, that's happening in the world. Yeah. So, so right now you can go 80-20 Prado's Law. And just be like, what other things can we put in? And it's not going to take away from any of the white kids in the class because it's everywhere, but it will enrich everyone's experience. So, you know, Black of Month can be that reminder to make sure, wait, what are we missing? What haven't we talked about? And then and, and get those stories, you know, mm-hmm. indigenous stories, indigenous, indigenous people, black stories, et cetera.
1: Yeah. And I, I, um, I, I love that. Thank you. And I, 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 I take two things for that. Number one, in the conversation here on The Shift is like, well, careful. Um, I'm not a Hallmark holiday person. So I want sustainability in this conversation, right? Like, this is not as a, hey, by the way, the calendar says this is the month, therefore we talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't want that. I mean, to me, I mean, okay, it's a great excuse to draw focus, but it can't just be 11 months of the year of we don't have to worry about it. And I always kind of look at it this way. I talk about kids and parents because it takes color and race off of it. Because kids will always say it's Mother's Day, it's Father's Day. When is it Kids Day? Yeah, yeah, And yeah, every yeah. parent in the world tells you it's every other day of the year. So yeah, exactly. we don't need a kid's yeah. day.
2: Yeah, I use that same analogy. I go with Valentine's Day, right? Like I can't only love and do something nice once. I won't make it to the next Valentine's Day if that's the only day that I'm doing it. And yeah. again, you take it off of race. And that's the idea. We can't just love them uh, on one day. We can't just love this culture on one month. Uh, and then we're good. Because that's a, that's a tough, tough year until next February if that's actually the case. But uh, hopefully it's not.
1: I took, a, I took a lot from that. You said about school, you know, like I, I went to high school in Fort McMurray, so there was lots of indigenous friends, but I also went to elementary school in Port Alberni, where there was a lot of East Asian um, Indian um, folks from India, Pakistan, stuff like that. So they, like all of my friends had black hair. Mm-hmm. The biggest takeaway as a kid was how come I'm the only blonde kid, mm-hmm. right? And then when I look at my own family history, I probably know more about black history in Canada than I actually do the Hewitts in Ireland. And so I realized there's a, I have a history problem.
2: Sure. So uh, two things I'll jump on there real quick. One, first thing you said is that when you were in high school, growing up and noticing that you were the only one with blonde hair. Uh, And what I, what I like about that is it's, if you notice that and you can actually remember that, that feeling still, and still, that's in a world that still lives in a spot where you still see white heroes, white superheroes. Mayors, like, so representation still exists, still in class being taught things, and just that one thing still sticks with you as a memory. And I say that just as like imagine then being is not just that one thing, but every aspect of your life, everywhere you go, you're othered and you're only like for that's that's that that's what I call this thing called like the weight of whiteness that you don't, you can get used to. You don't even know it exists until, it, until it's it gone. It disappeared for me when I went to school at Morehouse in Atlanta, all black college, university. And I remember when I first got there, maybe the first semester and it was, I was like, it just like lifted in the way that I could walk around campus, have discussions with people. None of it was ever about race. It was just, I was just a person. I was just a person that happened to be a psychology neurobiology major that was on the track team, but it was just a guy. Like it wasn't like black Jesse, and it wasn't like every time I walk into a store and the eye, all those things were gone, and I was like, "Wow, this feels good. I yeah. like this, and I get it." And but after a month or two, I didn't really notice it anymore. It just became the norm, right? And so I could I could empathize with like white America, white Canada, in the sense that you don't sometimes even notice how nice it is to walk through it, but you notice when it's not there. So I remember my black hair. Yeah, and it's, but then I always say, let's look on an empathy way. Like, uh, Matt, what would that feel like if that was everywhere, which is why a-, a Black History Month matters and also why just these conversations matter so much and to step into other shoes for sure. Um, that was one of the things. And then the second thing that you said, I forgot because I talk long and sometimes I forget what was happening. So probably- <laughs> Well,
1: I had said about some, uh, it, it's not here nor there. I had said about the hair and then um, my own Pat family history being Irish. Oh, I've lost you. I've lost your sound there. Just cut out for a sec.
2: Hold on. One there are you are.
1: I'm back. Back now.
2: Yeah. I short went with, circuit. I, yeah. Short circuit. We're back. So that the Irish piece was that was a big chunk of it. So when you were saying I might know more about Black history than I do about uh, you know the Hewitt family. Is it Hewitt? Hewitt. Yep. Yeah. Uh, the 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 fact that you can say your Irish past is already telling me that's not true. Huh. I wish I knew where. I wish I knew where I came from. But as a result of the Atlantic slave trade, all I know is that we migrated from the south of the states and the Carolinas and made our way up to Alberta. I would love to be like, I'm African or Nigerian. I'd love to go to Heritage Days and know which flag is mine to wave. I have no idea. So home for me was Amber Valley, where my dad was born, now Edmonton. And then it's also the same place where people ask, where are you from? Like, where are you really from? I'm four generations Canadian. And unfortunately I don't have anything else and I wish I did. I really do. I would love to know, but I don't have it. So all I can do is put all of my energy into making this a safe place to exist and call home. So just the fact you could say, I don't, I know more about my Irish one. Like, I'm like, I wish I could say, I wish I could say that. I don't even, don't even have it. Like that history yeah. doesn't exist. Yeah.
1: That's amazing. Co- contrast, isn't it? When you look at it that way. <laughs> I mean, at least you have DNA today to find out, but
2: um... I'm so weak though. I did it. Uh, let me tell you who I am. <laughs> okay. <laughs> this is okay. Good. So, <laughs> I am uh, I'm, G- I'm German, East Asian, and Western, mid-ish Africa, where there was about 40 countries. So, poof, feel good now. I feel like I belong. Nailed Thanks. it down. Nailed it, guys. Thanks so much.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and now they have your DNA for nefarious yeah. reasons or whatever yeah. that looks like.
2: Clone meme. That's a problem. Go
1: for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jesse, you work uh, in you know acting and production, and you know you've done the shows. You've been around all aspects of this. I mean. I love Atlanta, by the way. One of my best friends lives there, yeah, um, and so you've seen an awful lot in all this. What is what? How do we make Black History Month be a really great spotlight on some amazing stories, and still not have it that sort of spotlight dim at the uh, at the beginning of March?
2: Yeah, I think what it is is Black. If we if we look at Black History Month, and from my opinion what it is, it is a response to what exists or what doesn't exist. So, you know, Black History Month or Black Entertainment Television, BET, or A- NAACP, or, 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 are there because there was no representation elsewhere and it needed to exist uh, for sure, or people will fall through the cultural cracks and just dissipate and disappear. And that's not ever the goal. Everybody wants to be acknowledged and, uh, and seen and feel like they belong. So these are answers to what was missing. So I think, how do you make it not be that? We fill in those cracks every other time. You know, we make sure how, it would be amazing if Black Christian Month is like, why do we need that? We learned about that in December. That would be cool. Those would be cool statements to hear. So I think it's when we start to You know, feed uh, the education, the culture, the media, where we are seeing all of the different cultures that make up our wonderful place in the proper light, not from one lens, often a Eurocentric lens in the past, but making sure if we're doing indigenous stuff, it's an indigenous writer. It's the, you know, real stories, lived experiences from the BIPOC community. When we do that, all of a sudden there's not such a need, not such a focus. Uh, And that's what happens. You know, people, if you don't acknowledge, people will find a way to acknowledge themselves ideally, but the real statement is when we're acknowledged. As Jody has always said, you, we will rise, and right. that's the case. And that doesn't just mean when you're you do something great. It's when you're hurt. It's when when you're seen and you feel safe. You can be brave, and then you can be courageous. And I, when all of that's happening, we don't, these other things don't need to be band aids. They don't need to be band. And I feel like that's what this is. Black History Month is a band aid and it's covering a wound, and it's, it's a generational trauma wound, and it takes time to fix, but I think we shouldn't just fix it by picking at the Band-Aid in February. Like, we got to fix the whole body.
1: Yeah, and that's great. Uh, Dr. Jody Carrington um, has always said that, and I keep a sticky note on my monitor. It just says acknowledge people, mm-hmm. and, um, and that's as simple as you know the people that you're talking to, your coworkers, your friends, your family. So I always look at this kind of like a, you know, it'd be ideal for a nutritionist or a fitness trainer to work themselves out of a job for a psychologist to work themselves out of a job. I mean, Mm -hmm. not likely to happen, but to me, it seems like the conversation would be really great when they say, Oh yeah. You know, who's Jesse. He's the dude in the blue shirt.
2: Yeah. Right. Exactly. Right. Absolutely. That would be wonderful. That would be a wonderful thing. And people always often, right. They'll say, uh like when, when someone will say Well, why i was talking to this guy this black guy and i'm like whoa hold on does <sighs> any of this story matter does him being black have anything to do with the story look well no it doesn't well no no of course not and more often more often than t- more often than not it doesn't and that's this that idea of othering and always like i gotta make sure that i point out the thing that's different and different from the quote-unquote norm And so then we get to this idea of what is normal. Often white is normal. And so then it's like, well, we can be more tolerant and more inclusive. Like the, we, the norm can, we'll let you in, we'll tolerate you. And everything comes from that center spot. I think, yeah, that would be amazing when the day comes where it's just, Jesse's coming to speak. That's all. It's just, just Shane and Jesse having a good conversation. Like your shows you had beforehand. And I I love love that.
1: Well, it's kind of like my gay friend, right?
2: Uh, He's my gay friend,
1: right? Well, is he your friend? Yeah. Okay, yes. so who cares what his taste in humans is, right? Like
2: you don't say my straight friend, you don't say my white friend Shane right? If you don't say it across the board, why are you saying it? And yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah
1: you might you might say, wait till you meet him, his skin is almost green. he's never seen the sunshine. Cause he works at nighttime. That could be a fair ball.
2: Fair. That, and also they might say, wait till you see Jesse. His skin is silky, smooth, like like mousse. Chocolate mousse, maybe even. I get that. I get that. Yeah, Moose.
1: That is very whipped smooth. I get the yeah,
2: I really I, get the You see that, right? I like, do. It's not just not just chocolate. When it's whipped, like there's no blemishes. It's the same <laughs> color across. Yeah. And you might even want to lick it with consent. What imagine if
1: though we could talk about <laughs> lick it with consent? Don't lick people randomly in the street. It's no. bad for COVID. It's bad for relationships. Um, you know, but that that's the conversation, isn't that? Isn't that the celebrate um, all of the people, like all of the things and just the features of the people that we love? Why do we say that though, Jesse? Why do we say uh, he's my black friend? or you know is it i mean affinity bias we learned with Brian Lanier on the show about bias and affinity bias that we actually have bias in a positive way is Absolutely. it us fulfilling our check boxes of our own um you know uh, multicultural friendships or
2: yeah i mean there's probably a number of different reasons why certain people say it uh, and why they do and uh, uh, but i you know at the end of the day i think it's 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 just a almost a habit that's ingrained to ensure that you point out uh, the thing that's different, the thing that is often, whether it be racialized, not that you're trying to discriminate, but that's what you're doing in those moments. And these are the very well-meaning individuals who will say, I'm not racist, uh, I'm not prejudiced, I don't, and not realizing the small microaggressions that actually fuel and create the environment for more harmful and detrimental things. So it's not like, what is the why? I think the why, just like the unconscious bias, is just a product all the different stimuli that have come into our own minds that create different pictures and how we speak about people. Words matter so very much. And sometimes it's that implicit bias, the stuff that doesn't necessarily align. It's not congruent with what you say and what you believe, but yet there's still, you know, those are still those millisecond decisions that are happening every time you speak. And you don't, we don't understand the damage of it until we can see that we have it. Once we see we have it, then it's a constant everyday work to get rid of these things when you see that they're detrimental you can't just sit by but you have to discover it you have to see it and that takes conversations i take some looks in the mirror that take some of those like "Ugh, i this is how i thought and how i acted beforehand and that was not good not only not good that was like dangerous for people and you have to admit that in order to move forward and that time which is happening a lot right now after the racial reckoning um i think it's happening a, a lot more now and uh And that is a whole another kind of worms, which is also something we could get into if we have time. But
1: yeah, we need to make sure that everybody's represented and acknowledge people sort of like you described. But I also see it as a problem when we're just fulfilling a checkbox, right? When we're putting somebody into a job or a role or a, a TV hosting role or whatever, just so we can fulfill a checkbox, they might not be the best person for the job. So how do we balance all that in this? Because the reality is, is that You know, we're almost working against ourselves if we're just filling a checkbox.
2: You know, I I hear that often where people worry, have this worry about, you know, we're just filling a position because they need to have a person of color. Uh, And then there's this this idea that that person is not qualified, which, A, I think is ridiculous. First, show me that person that wasn't qualified that was BIPOC that we're talking about because it's not even, a, I have never seen this person. This is, this is a story, this rhetoric we talk about yeah. with like zero, zero examples of it. And if we really want to talk about unqualified people, why don't we talk about how many white men get promotions based on literally them being white men when there are many people underneath them that have much be- better resumes, often women, often BIPOC individuals. So we're talking about non-qualified stuff. Let's talk about stuff where we can actually see statistics of it. There's that's not a thing. And also, you give me a BIPOC, a BIPOC woman with a disability. Let's just talk do this one. And then yeah. we have uh, a, a white man, and they're at the same level in, in their business world. I'm I want BIPOC woman with a disability to move up. She, what she's had to do to get to where she is, to, the, to get to that same spot. Yes, check the box with her. She gets the promotion over this one. A hey, It's proven by her life alone that she's already been able to crush so much different adversities and still get to that spot. I I think if you're going to err, you're probably not going to err on unqualified. That's what I mean in that scenario. But yet that's the story we hear a lot of, like what, why we want to make sure they're qualified. I agree with you, but we should probably look at that. Not just there, not, not just on that hire, but let's look at that for the longest period of time. CBC literally just did a story on, you know, how the management of white men who had failing grades in high school versus uh, women who had straight A's, and how many more of them had higher positions now? Like same idea, yeah. but I don't hear a lot of that rhetoric. Right. Well, yeah. we should be careful, you know, with promoting white men.
1: Yeah, yeah, and that's and that it's a great perspective to create the other side of that. I guess is the kind of the the way to go. <laughs> and and frankly, I mean, as a business owner, if I have a choice between um, this typical person. And this atypical person, they're both equally qualified. There's probably going to be some more unique ideas. I mean, there's, I got 10,000 to choose from over here mm-hmm. that are exactly the same qualifications. Um, then you can start digging into character experience, ideas, things they bring to the table. And, and somebody who has a different, uh, you know, like to you said, the overcoming adversity it's kind of, it's kind of a cool way to look at it from that perspective. Like, what do you bring to the table? Like, if everyone's qualified, what do you bring to the table today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. It's funny too, when you said, okay, I got a typical person. It's funny. in my mind. And then you went a typical, like, oh, like typical was white man for you. Wasn't it? My, my typical literally was black man. That's, Isn't just what, really, I, oh, absolutely that's what I love about, about words in my yeah. mind. I'm like, wait, he's probably not thinking like I'm thinking. But also that's the cool part about unconscious bias right. to understand that just cause I went there instantly doesn't mean everyone went there instantly. And now are we having a conversation about two different people because we didn't talk about it beforehand.
1: Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's, said- cre- that's creating an agreement, yeah. Um, yeah. which is yeah. interesting. Yeah. Agreements are the core of all things. And for me, in fact, I will tell you that I was picturing in my mind, a white politician who probably was uh, professionally trained as an accountant. <laughs> awesome. That's the stereotype in my head. <laughs> yeah. Right. So male, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, we absolutely do carry that. But that was the dude. Like, if he was to walk in the room right now sure. and he walked in the room, Jesse, next time you're going to be like, that's the guy yeah. Shane was talking yeah. about. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. That's James, that's James Typical right there. Yeah, Right,
1: yeah. So how do, what do we do in Canada? I mean, you said BET and you said some of these other organizations that are down in the States. Mm-hmm. Uh, the population in Canada uh, balances diversely different than America, and uh, but we still are missing some of the pieces of the puzzle what, what can we do I mean, so you're talking to me um you you see on our zoom call what you know what I look like what what do you and I do to have this be a normal conversation not going normal I hate the word normal um to have it be a powerful but still comfortable um challenging sure. productive conversation that allows for things to be created or talked about and not set aside, but at the same yeah. time kind of in the way that it's culturally plugged in. Like you have BET down in the States. That's, you know, it becomes not only a voice for people. It also becomes just a part of entertainment and culture and life we live every single day. Yeah, this I can't think- be a conversation that Shane and Jesse has. This has to be the, I held the door open for a person today. Um, I went to the bank teller today conversation. Hey, this is my buddy, Steve. Like it ha- it has to be deeply woven in all those micro moments through the day.
2: I think what you're doing, though, and not to discredit it at all, this is what you do, right? Like, to make a conversation uncomfortable that might be stereotypically an awkward and uncomfortable conversation is to have it and have it and have it and have it it again because the more you talk about it and the more you get comfortable maneuvering your way through it and the more tools you have and and, and like the more lessons you learn you're able to eloquently kind of just traverse through it and it makes it less stressful you're you're less worried about a misstep you're less worried about staying in your lane or doing something wrong lots of people don't want to have the conversations because they don't want to make it worse they don't want to do say something wrong they want to get out of their own lane or scared a of backlash if something does go the wrong way all of these non-starters which for me i think is the most dangerous place to be so like doing nothing is maybe the most dangerous because there's so many people who do nothing and the nothing is actually what's uh so harmful to the bipoc community in general and to the community across the board but doing something even making a mistake doing a horribly wrong you're going to be okay the next day, but you've learned an amazing lesson. And even if the person who corrected you was just a jerk and rude and they were, you felt like it was such an over-the-top reaction and angry and you're, you're like, all I was trying to do is help. Even if that was the case, you still get to learn. And then you can say to yourself, wonder what has happened in the past where that one comment could make them that angry. There's still a lot of research I need to do because all I tried to do was this thing. And it gets into intent versus impact. We We have to stop worrying about our intents. We have to stop worrying about ourselves. Like, it's about us. It's not about me or about you. As soon as we insert ourselves into this conversation and center that, there's no room for the we. If I'm like, I didn't mean that. You need to know my heart. I'm a great guy. Like, I I thought we were having a talk, like, about, like, eradicating racism and discrimination. But now we're talking about you. And we always want to do that. We want to defend ourselves to make sure we still look good in this process. And I think it's a tough fight to be in if you're worried about looking good because that's not what, this is not what the fight was, right? Okay. The fight was not never that.
1: Looking good is, is the core of all we do in our lives, man. You're telling mean, me that we need to look at vanity in order to solve some of these problems because that's, that's a shining light of awesomeness in my well, world.
2: Well, I mean, Shane, you and I are in a very privileged position. I mean, look at us. For <laughs> those out there who don't... Go- For those out there who don't know, um, my skin, just so you know, is uh, ancient walnut in the summer and toasted bagel in the winter. I went to Home Depot and the Benjamin Moore paints. Did you put the paint swatches? Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) that's that's me. So you're talking to, right now it's winter, so toasted bagel lipscomb in the summer, I'll be ancient walnut.
1: Ancient walnut. That's actually pretty good. That's a pretty good username if you ever needed one. (laughs) So here's where I'm taken because I'm the language guy. Normal. What is normal? Maybe yeah. that's what we take from this. What is normal? Conform? Typical? Expected?
0: Mm-hmm. Usual? Yeah.
1: And so if our expectation is to create um, celebration, mm-hmm. to create a balance and love and to create all of these things, then it can't be normal. No. Every time we say normal, it can't be normal because we're not out to create uh, conforming lives. We don't, we're not, I would never, gotta ask anyone to conform. Um, I'm not out to create usual or typical. Expected is just certainty. And the core of everything that I write about in language is not living in certainty. In fact, the certainty is sort of the, it's the death of our soul.
2: It is a absolutely
1: yes. right. Yet it feels really great to know that you can expect what's going to happen next. Sure, that's really nice when you go to the fridge and you know the expired in on your milk, but beyond mm. that, that's not a life plan. No,
2: no, no, yeah. I mean, everything that normal is by definition is almost the antithesis of what we're trying to do. Yet, we use this is why words are so important, we keep throwing them back. Right. That's like we throw normal. We throw the typical person and not and, and not saying it to do anything harmful. But it actually is. The more we do that, the more we enforce certain words, um, guess what they become normal. Right. And that's like this is exactly kind of where instead of normal, that's not what we're looking to do. Here's one thing, too, that I was thinking about uh, today. So it's probably not going to work out well, but it's I'm just formulating this idea. And it had to do with I was listening to a book called black magic and he was just talking about code switching so for those who don't know the code switch uh for a lot of the bipoc community is the idea of going back and forth culturally so living in a white world and a white workplace how you speak and how you dress even all of the above right i and have then, a friend of
1: mine that he talks about his cousin like that and he says you know he plays white really well
2: right he's right an right indigenous, he's
1: indigenous guy
2: and that's the, th- the thought was, you know, that if you want to do well in that world, you want, you have to uh, assimilate, conform, so that you could fit in, in in that world. So, it, not that I agree with that, and I think actually the, quite the opposite is true, but what it had me thinking about this idea of inclusivity uh, versus uh, expectations, and I feel like there's an expectation, culturally, that anyone outside of the white community will have to become normal to conform, it's expected and then the, on the other side of that you know like the I, there's no like i don't expect the white community to know all of my cultural norms also i'm not 100% inclusive i don't want everybody in, hanging out with me and my friends rapping all the lyrics to hip hop songs with me that's that's not a space i want to include everybody in right. i feel like what we're trying to find instead is like respect and safety uh, in our authentic cultural selves that's it's like that's what we really want. It's not that I need everybody to I don't I, just because I know all the most of the things I have to do in a, in a white world. And I can talk about halupchi and, and Petishke and I can talk about country music for days. I don't need everyone to know how to cornrow my hair. I don't need everyone to know what roti is. And I don't need that to happen. But the other one's expected, you know, and so that, I feel like this, that expectation that is actually the silent subconscious rude expectation for everyone else and that's yeah. more harmful in my opinion and striving for like accepting authentic cultural selves is going to be a beautiful thing
1: it is perfectly okay to be impressed when somebody knows how to braid your hair or when someone knows a really great recipe that you thought was culturally specific mm-hmm. and someone goes oh yeah i love that right
2: yeah, yeah. and, and to be able cool. to answer that Oh, and that there's acknowledgement. That's where you actually feel like you are a part of the place. Yeah. Like the more, right? Like you like, what you knew that? Like I'm like, oh, cool. Like just it's almost so abnormal when that happens. It feels so good. It's like you hear your own name. Yeah. It's amazing. And but I'm we- speaking, I'm gonna say I'm speaking not even from experience, because like I said before, like roti, all these other places that's not mine. I don't know, still don't know, because it could be, it might not be. So I'm also in this like weird spot where I can actually objectively observe culture. Yeah, I, like I like I said, I don't. I'm not. I'm not biased to this one. That's mine. The only one I got right now is 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 like we're talking pre-slave trade, and then I'm talking all of Africa, mostly on the uh, on the west side. What what is that? Right. So right now, I get to observe and love cultures objectively from everywhere, which I think helps a lot in this kind of conversation.
1: Yeah, I yeah. I I think this is really great. Um, I think you've re you've offered me some reassurance that. It's okay to just talk about it, um, and it's yeah. okay uh, to do that. Energy flow is a big one, and when you said the two words, um, inclusivity versus expectation, you can kind of just feel the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. Like inclusivity is sort of just this, you can see the little flow. I've always, To me, it appears in my mind like a, like a weather chart. You used to see those the arrows of the sure. weatherman, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. And I feel like inclusivity has sort of this energy flow of just sort of pouring into you, Mm-hmm. Um, and expectation is sort of this thought that you're barfing out yeah. Yeah. all over everybody else. Yeah. And, yeah. um, I think you're really missing out on something when you're sort of just kind of barfing it all out. Yeah.
2: There's no, nothing can come in. It's just all there's from all angles. It's just That's shooting up. That's boring way.
1: Boring, boring way to live in my opinion. Anyway. Okay. So you yeah. said, um, rapping hip hop lyrics. So before we're done, um, do you like hip hop? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, then who would be the best hip hop poet of all time?
2: Um, I push Jesus. Or funny. favorite, not best. That's so subjective. I know. You know what? I got, I got, my, I got a top, a top three. It's, J, it's Jay Not no order here. Jay Z, uh, Notorious B.I.G. and Eminem.
1: Eminem's pretty good. Yeah. Notorious B.I.G. Um, was fantastic. Jay Z's ability to just create mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. the blue is mind blowing. Yeah. I was gonna throw keras one at you.
2: Oh, I love Keras one, too. He's great. He's great. He's great. I mean, and Kendrick's in there for me. There's Pete Pox in there, but those Kendrick. three, you know, those three they're for, for, for special different reasons and crazy abilities. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I can also tell how old you are now, which is cool.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Wait, what if, what if I said Big Daddy Kane? What if I, what are you talking about? You go, well, I don't
1: know. You did say three that were sort of all in this pocket of you being a probably, I'm going to guess around 16 to uh, 18 years old when you're a big fan of it.
2: i I mean probably i'm 40 so yeah 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 yeah. i love it so good Uh, jesse pinpoint people's ages not by their ear but just i like your chip and pepper sweater
1: oh that's fun yeah exactly right (laughs) your your, uh beaver canoe
2: yeah no fear no fear
1: (laughs) (laughs) uh jesse lipscomb actor producer you know um yeah, like you said so much comes to your mind. I'd love to bring this conversation more, not even about uh you know, uh the race stuff or whatever. We can do that anytime. And I would love it if you came back and um and we just talk about the other things cuz I know there's so much more going on in your world than
2: than just this. Absolutely. You know what's great? I would love to come back, and talk about a lot of things. And the cool thing is everywhere I go, race comes with me. So it's probably going to be tickled into most conversations cuz a all of my life I've been a big black man. So, uh, ancient Walnut, sorry, excuse me. I don't ancient want to, Walnut to go <laughs> I'm like, what color is he? Okay. I, <laughs> I'm actually, I'm literally
1: writing it down on my, on my list of things to do. Yeah. Um, and it's paint swatch. Pop. I know yes. I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to paint swatch myself.
2: I love it. Everybody should do this. And I'll tell you why you should all do this. What it does, and in, in, by the way, culture and Black culture and this fight is, is so very important. But it also allows you and everyone else to know that no one, none of us are a monolith. We're not the voice. For anybody across the board. We have our own lived experiences. And when you can go and your whole household has five different swatches, but you're like we're from the same house, also you can have different experiences in that same house. And you're just you are your own person as well. And it's uh, it's a fun way to start that combo. I did it with my family and kids. It was fun. It was very fun.
1: Paint swatch your life. It's the title yeah. of your next book.
2: <laughs> Get writing. I uh, yes, sir. Uh Shane, this was fun, man. I appreciate it.
1: Jesse Lipscomb. Uh, Here on The Shift, actor and activist, we're not out to create normal here on The Shift. No way. And Catherine wraps it up really nicely when she says, we all want to be celebrated. The more we celebrate each other, the more we bring others close.
0: This is The Shift Podcast.
1: Wow. Holy moly. I didn't know that gifts on time versus gifts that are uh, thoughtful, made such a difference ryan o'Donnell has struggled with getting the last couple of gifts for um for laura on time i gotta tell you a little secret about laura and ryan ryan is very smart he's very intelligent he's kind he's handsome all of these things he's still marrying, he's still marrying up here so he's gotta he's gotta tread lightly right like as a fella like you know as most guys we know when we're marrying up here right, so we gotta be super diligent mm-hmm. beyond reproach if you will and uh, okay so um we want to make sure that Ryan is successful in all this now he's got great ideas for gifts. Laura also has fantastic ideas for gifts
0: on time <laughs> ouch <laughs> not easy Jeez. okay well, Sorry
1: you're not about, wrong. okay. Well, I'll tell you what. So no, what what's it What was the light thing, the photo thing that you got for Valentine's Day?
0: Okay. I want to not paint myself as the bad guy here, so I'm going to toot my own horn. So Laura got me this she 3D printed a box, a clear light box and put, you know, colored lights inside and then on the outside of the box are pictures of us. So when it lights up, I see all these pictures of us. The best gift I've ever got Laura. Was a painter, loves to paint. Got Laura a pair of white Vans slip ons markers, and I said, Put whatever you want to put on those shoes, because then they're yours. And Laura put together these amazing, like Van Gogh style, like Central Park and New York themed sneakers. They're amazing. Wears them all the time. So we're both very good at gifts, but you have said the point. Laura is always on time with them. So. All right. Mm. It's
1: custom, custom built. So I'm not beating you up, brother. Like I'm here for you. We, the shift heads, we've got your back. We want to see a, we want to see a win in all this. Now, don't get me wrong. Canada Post let you down. Here are the results of our survey at 877-399-9898. What's better? A gift that's great and thoughtful or a gift that's on time? Um, Great gift is best. Who cares if it's on the exact date? Script a poem or letter whilst the wait. That's about good point. That's from Eve. No, you could write a poem and you're smart that way. Uh, the good gift will win every time over the gift on time. Thank you, Derek. Uh, Joanne says a gift on time. I feel disappointed and thought differently of the gift giver getting used to disappointment on special occasions for me. I felt uncared for. Oof. Hey, that's there, is some, there is some truth to that. I'm sure oh, yeah, that's, that's Joanne's experience of it, right? She's struggled with it. So, um, Ryan, it's the thought that counts says Catherine, but Catherine likes you. She's biased on team Ryan here.
0: There's a lot of girls I had crushes on in elementary school. I told, I said that exact same thing. It's the thought that counts. And they (laughs) did not, they did not care. (laughs) Yeah. Dave contributes
1: a gift idea. Valentine's gift, perfume, always. Thank you, Dave. Okay. Stuart says, a gift on time. Uh, Text from Toronto says, you're all making me laugh. Thank you for that. A gift is great. If the gift is great, it's worth the wait. But if no, you got to (laughs) go. Mark the poet.
0: (laughs) Modern Shakespeare. My
1: Christmas gift to my son arrived at the beginning of February because it had to come from the UK. It's a book I've been trying to find for years, and I'm thrilled with it. It was absolutely worth the wait. Cat and Gimli. There you go. Okay. So how about this? This is where I think there's opportunity in you being you with this message. You ready? Me this is from you. Troy. Okay,
0: I'm ready. This is, this, me, is, uh, this
1: is for you. I think this is what you, I think this is how you lean into this, okay? Troy's way to keep my wife happy. Wait, that went from third person to first person. Um, and now I'm confused. Is Troy making your wife happy? <laughs> or are you?
3: <laughs> Stay away from my wife, Troy.
1: <laughs> Troy's way to keep my wife happy is random gifts. They're surprising. Thoughtful. And it doesn't matter when they show up. P.S. Keep the bonus points up. I find a way I find ways to lose the bonus points pretty quickly. LOL. You see, <laughs> if you're going to be this creative and you're going to do these things, I would suggest that maybe Troy is right. Maybe you just have a steady stream of gifts coming.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, gifts are if you subscribe to the whole language of love thing, which I do, mm-hmm. I, I I think it's a very real an interesting way to look at relationships. That gifts are definitely one of mine. So I enjoy doing it. And I guess you know what? Here's what I'm gonna do. Randomly at some point in the future, I will get Laura a random gift, but I will set myself a deadline of when it needs to be here by. And if I don't get it on time, I'm returning it. I'm gonna hold myself to that. <laughs>
1: So you're going to get her a gift as a test for yourself. And then if it doesn't come on time because you screwed it up, she pays the price because she doesn't get the gift. Okay. Unless. Yeah. Okay. Um, I think you missed my point (laughs) What I was trying to go for there. I was trying to say a steady flow of gifts means that there's something always going to be arriving. So you can hang on to it for a couple of days because it's going to be, you know, Valentine's Day or it's going to be a birthday or a special occasion. You've got this steady flow. You could set yourself a little reminder in the calendar, you know, come October. It'd be like start the flow of gifts. And just so they're just kind of trickling in. And you know, if she doesn't know that she's missing one, then then that's fine. You'd be like, Yeah, baby, I ordered you this one. And I know it's after Christmas now, but I just I couldn't wait. So I thought you'd love it. Oh. Happy January
0: 5th. Sly
1: dog. Hey. I Matt, do you want to read this is funny that you brought it that you took it here. This is this is what I love about this, Matt. Can you read the very top note that we put in? Uh the green one.
3: Five love languages note?
1: Yeah. So that's what Ryan just brought up. So Five love languages. We've talked about it on the show before. Um, giving gifts and receiving gifts is definitely a love language. Uh, you know what else is a love language? <laughs> Time and acts of uh, service. So I'd be curious. Maybe, um, maybe I should send you the book too. It's worth it. It's worth it. If you love it, if you love this thing, and you love to give gifts, and you want to find out what you know your partner's, you know, chicken marijuana language is. Um. You know, like Matt's them. guitar language is guitar picks.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. No, but time. You hear Matt and talk about uh, him and his bride all the time. That time is important to them, right? So it's cool. Mm. Uh, put a note under her pillow and tell her you love her from Catherine.
0: Oh, I do romance that. is alive I do, and well. I do that already, actually. Oh. Uh, Except there's Mike sticky notes Hamilton. that are hidden.
1: Yeah. But put your phone. Yeah. I don't know how a millennial does it. Put your phone under her pillow and then text her that you love her. Something like that. Not plugged <laughs> in, though. I'll make sure it's not <laughs> We learned yet. that. Uh, Ryan, buy a gift right now and save it somewhere. She won't find it as a backup for the next time one is coming up late, <laughs> Mike from <laughs> Hamilton. <laughs> it's,
0: it's actually pretty genius. It's it's pretty good, actually.
1: Well, isn't that why they made uh, like turtles, chocolates, and the Christmas scarf is so you've always got one of each just in case you forgot a gift and someone shows up at your door and they're like, Merry Christmas. And you reach behind the door and you're like, Merry Christmas. I thought of them you, too. Chocolates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're younger the on time part matters a lot more as you get older you realize that it's the quality of the gift that makes the difference thanks derek all right 877-399-9898 do you feel beat up or are we are we helping here
0: i don't know what beat up is it's more like uh you know when your english teacher it really grills you for a really bad essay you wrote but then she gives you really good pointers on how to get an A, and then you get an A the next time. That's kind of what I feel I'm going through right now.
1: Nice, that's cool. All right, well, we look forward to you your little test on yourself. So, are we mm-hmm. going to set a date here, since we're 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 all about accountability on on the shift? Okay. So we're going to pick uh, a date here. St. Patty's uh, Day.
0: Well, uh, ooh, that's a great idea. St. Patty's Day it is. Yeah.
1: Okay. And Patty's. if the gift doesn't arrive. Mm-hmm. um what are we gonna do
0: i'll give it to, i'll give it to you to me yeah <laughs> or one lucky it, shift head
1: <laughs> is it is it uh, is it gonna fit
0: you have to go there it's probably gonna be like a it's probably gonna be a book or there's some markers or something
1: all right we'll give it away
0: he wrote it down just just for reference i just saw him write it down in his book he's holding me to this absolutely and i'm glad he we is. do. That's I'm glad he do. is.
1: <laughs> All right. 877-399-9898. Thank you for your contribution. Um Uh random flowers works the best. No special occasion for the day. You see it in their eyes. Donate it to charity says Derek. Or the you could just give it to her. A great idea. You could just give it to her and just not tell her that it was a test. Probably the good idea. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> or maybe save it for the next holiday when you're going to be late with your gift.
0: This is The Shift Podcast.
3: Maddie, how's your moon dial doing over there? Uh, yeah, let me just check the tracking. I think it's, uh, it should be here. Hey, Moondial! Hey! <laughs> hey, you're late! Yeah, I know. I, I, know that, I know that we're all over the place with it, but, you know, you're late. You're, I know you think you're, like, such a great gift to everybody, but uh, all, all I know is, is if, you're, if you're late, you'd better be good well okay yeah we're ready
1: <laughs> i love how you lose an argument with the doll. are you okay are you okay with playing dress up question mark
3: hmm. i don't i i usually save uh, halloween for for dressing up i mean i'm pretty old-fashioned mm-hmm. that way
0: yeah i mm-hmm. i think i'm with you i love cosplay i don't really have any cosplay but i want to do it so bad uh you know, get a whole suit of Stormtrooper armor and march around, and I'd love that. Of course, you I would be Darth Vader, but I'm too short and it wouldn't work. I'd be, I'd look hilarious in Darth Vader armor. 5'7 <laughs> seven Vader, not even intimidating at <laughs> all. I these platform boots. <laughs> L- little Vader, <laughs> little Vader, <laughs> little Vader.
1: I mean, I always sort of, I mean, you'll know, you know me well enough to say that this all of society is just a costume party. That's all it is every day, led by the Kardashians. Um. An Illinois man has been charged with impersonating a Chicago police sergeant three times. It's not the first time 26-year-old Vincent Richardson has done it. Ever since the first incident at age 14, the the so-called kid cop has been convicted three times in connection to claims of pretending to be a police officer. Uh, Here's a look at this from CBS.
4: Richardson, now 26, isn't new to the fake cop game. He was once known as Kid Cop in 2009 when he was 14, Richardson convinced actual officers to let him patrol with them. He did for an entire shift. His pastor at the time, Roosevelt Watkins.
2: Because of his infatuation of becoming a police officer. He attempted to fulfill his dreams at an early age.
4: He bought his uniform for the shift at this Mount Greenwood store. He looked young enough to play with my two teenage sons. Months later, Richardson played dress-up again, this time as a businessman crashing a Lexus he drove off with from a dealer. In 2013, the kid cop sentenced to 18 months in prison for attempting to buy a police uniform and again arrested for impersonation in 2015, pulled over wearing a police duty belt, Equipped with stun guns and scanners. Oh, dear. Oh, geez. Whoa. So
1: I I would guess that that probably impacts your
0: desire to become a cop one day. Well, do you think he really wanted to be a cop and then he played dress up when at 14 and then that stayed on his record so he couldn't be? Or he just it was never cut out for it. So he says, I'm going to make the most of it and convince people I am.
1: Yeah. It's not like, you know, like you hear about the firebug, uh, firefighters, right? Like the guys who set fires and then they're, they want to become firefighters. Yep. I
3: don't know. <laughs> that's, that's so strange.
1: But it's a thing. It's like really a thing. So I don't know, but that's got an impact. Like if you want to become a cop, that's probably not a good way. No. Kind of like that story about the guy who put the, the police lights in his car, um, grill Um, and then he got pulled over like who are you i'm the sheriff who are you (laughs) that can't be good are you okay before we start let's just get this clip
0: in university studies pigs learned video games with joysticks as fast as chimps faster than a three-year-old child and excelled over both
1: are you okay with pigs
3: I, yeah, I mean, I was going to, wow, I was going to go through a whole bacon thing, but... Uh, yeah.
0: Now you feel I guilty like about it.
3: No, I just, yeah, I'm still going to eat pigs until the day I, I pass out uh, yes. out of this life, but uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm friends with pigs, for sure. I like pigs.
0: They're, t- they're <laughs> delicious. <laughs> P- pigs are yummy. Uh, I'm not a big, like, pork chop fan, but bacon uh is is just a treasure and ribs are amazing uh, as animals uh babe i love that book and i love that movie so dude and yeah
3: and uh I'm, and will due respect to to police but did you put this pig story like after the cop story on purpose oh.
0: uh, no <laughs> no i did not I, <laughs> it's just the way the news flowed
1: <laughs> um okay so Can we play that first clip again, Matt, just so we can get some context here, if that's all right?
3: In university studies, pigs learn video games with joysticks
0: as fast as chimps, faster than a three-year-old child, and excelled over both.
3: (laughs) I'm just picturing it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was was imagining there was going to be a boomer joke coming from Ryan at me on that one. Faster than a boomer can pick up a video game because that's true. Okay. So a new study released last week says pigs are highly intelligent creatures and skilled gamers too. The paper highlights two Yorkshire pigs named Hamlet and Omelette. <laughs> <laughs> Hamlet and Omelette. Oh dear. And two, uh, Panapinto, Panapinto micro pigs named Ebony and Ivory. I'm guessing they're black and white, Uh, all of whom were kept at a Pennsylvania State University. Here's a summary from The Hill.
2: In a study published in Frontiers in Psychology, researchers from Purdue University tested the ability of four pigs to manipulate a joystick and control a cursor on a monitor. The study found that the pigs were able to perform the task well above chance, suggesting the animals understood their movement of the joystick was connected to the motion of the cursor on the monitor. While researchers used food to teach and reinforce behaviors, the experiment found verbal encouragement from handlers helped the animals while attempting the more difficult tasks. <laughs> wow.
1: We lost you there,
0: right? Oh. Oh. I was just gonna say all it takes is food. All and t- then you're a gamer. All
3: it takes wow. is food. I just picture like um I don't know, like a pig in in a hoodie and a toque. Uh you know, he's got like some spicy spicy you know, Doritos next to him, Mountain Dew just clickety clackety, clacking away on the joystick. I like it. I love it. I'm going live Imagine on them. Twitch, guys.
1: <laughs> yeah, I would love it if um, maybe they were playing fork knife or something.
3: Fork knife. And he, and pork knife. Pork knife. And then they're just on their ch- <laughs> they're on their chat. They're like, "I'm gonna make you squeal like a pig." <laughs> <laughs> okay.
1: <sighs> what do you call a bacon wrap dinosaur?
3: Uh what do you call a bacon wrapped dinosaur? Mm.
1: Jurassic pork Okay. Sorry, I had to do it because the uh the conversation about the, the pigs was kind of fun and I mean I just thought it was yeah. you know time to throw
0: a couple out there.
1: Nice.
0: Wink wink. Thank you.
1: Are you okay? Are you okay with craft beer? Aged craft beer.
3: Like a like a really old one that you find at the back of your fridge that you've forgotten about? Right.
1: Uh-oh. It's suspicious, but you'll drink it. <laughs> it's
3: extra cold, so yeah, I'm definitely I've I've gotten mm. crap about liking craft beer. I've been accused of being like like a hipster or just because of my taste in beer. And I take great offense to it because I also really?
1: like. Really? Why do you? Why do you take offense
0: to
3: it? I don't know. A hipster? I don't like being labeled, but yeah, okay, uh, you know, I like I like beer labels. I don't like personal labels.
0: Mm. <laughs> Good answer. I'm with you there. Same same story. People make fun of you for the beer you like because it's like, oh, it's hipster. But I'm like, drink it, and then they're like, oh. Yeah. This is actually really good and much better than Budweiser. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out it's just flavorful so,
3: beer. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's just good. So I'm, yeah. I love craft beer.
3: Yeah. yeah, I mean, I like cheap beer too. Whatever, like it's exactly, it's no big deal.
1: Sometimes cheap beer is the best beer.
3: It is. You know, when you're sitting in the, sitting in a river
1: with your feet in the cold water, a couple of beers sit there, in the water staying cool on a hot sunny day. Is there anything better than cheap beer on that day? I don't think so. Nothing. I don't think so, my friends. Okay. Are you okay with craft beer? Archaeologists working in Egypt have uncovered what's believed to be the oldest high production brewery in the world. Those Egyptians, they were way ahead of everything. They had space travel and electricity and satellite dishes and beer. The brewery was located in Egypt's Sohag government. The likely dates back to the reign of King Narmer around 3100 BC. According to CNN, Dr. Matthew Adams of New York University, one of the leaders of the Egyptian American mission that made the discovery, uh, said, uh, when we were looking for, e, uh, when we were looking for pyramids and we found beer, we were ecstatic. I'm just kidding, he didn't say that. Researchers believe that beer was used in royal burial rituals for Egypt's earliest kings. Uh, pre- previous evacuations in the area had found evidence that beer was used during sacrificial rites.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, boy. Uh, brewery. <laughs> beer is still used. Never mind. Uh, the brewery was s- split into eight large sections for beer production, each containing 40 clay pots used to warm mixtures of grain and water, said Dr. Mustafa Waziri, General Security of Egypt Supreme Council of the Antiquities, in his statement. The brewery could have been producing as much as 22,400 liters, 5,900 gallons of beer at a time, or as we like to call it, Good Sunday.
0: And so I got really curious. and I wanted to learn more about the average Joe. So Rupp set out on a path to recreate the beers that an average Joe of the past may have been drinking.
1: I had to dig into uh, the textbooks in different ways, physically travel to the locations where we've recreated the beers, look at the modern culture and then start working your way back to the past, what was readily available for people to use all the time of these ingredients.
0: Rupp offered up his first recreation in August 2016, an ancient Greek beer about 3,300 years old called Nestor's Cup. So you'd created this ancient Greek beer and people yeah. heard about it, Yeah. wanted to taste it because they thought it was good or thought, how bad might this be? Great question.
1: I think, honestly, they were just really curious to see what it tasted like and had very, very low
3: expectations for it. Cheers. So, cheers.
4: Honestly, yeah, yes. so did I. That's really good. It's sweeter than I yeah. thought it would
2: be. Yeah, so this was a, a combination of mostly wild yeast. Uh, it also has acorns in it.
3: And then elderberries and figs, which gave it this
1: deep purple color. Ooh, elderberries, deep purple. Acorns. Um, it's, <laughs> it's chewy. It's
0: um, so okay,
1: best beer. What's the best beer? Toss it out. Might as well.
0: The best beer, man. That's a that's a tough. Uh, oh, F- Bow's Lug tread, uh brewed in uh, Vaughan, I think Vaughan, uh, Ontario. It's organic lager. It's unbelievable. It's my favorite. Okay.
3: Guinness.
1: Yeah, the meal. Matt, he's just with a fork and a knife. Uh You'll be surprised to hear that mine is a Hawaiian beer. It's Kona Brewing Company Longboard Lager. You can get it in the States. You can get some long, some different Kona stuff in Canada except for the longboard, which sucks. But I like that one. I like the simple beers too. Like I like a good Corona. Like a nice refreshing. Yeah, with lime? Cold. Yeah, cold. No, I don't need lime. Like a nice refreshing day cold Corona. I can do that. That's a nice way to go.